Welcome to another 28092 podcast. If you listened to the first several episodes, thank you. I appreciate that. Surprisingly, had quite a few uh, listeners to that, and I hope it grows from there. Um, secondly, you probably recognize that would change the music up a little bit. I think the music I had on the first few is, I don't know, a little harsh or something. It's like, it's too much. It was extra, as my kids would say these days. Anyway, moving onward and upward, right? Thanks, too, by the way, for the podcast suggestions. And I have quite a few guests beginning to get lined up. And please, if you've got another one, send it my way. I'd love to talk to more interesting people around the area. Um, this one, I, I happened to run into this guy uh, out doing some work. And I know him, have known him since high school. And as we talked, I realized this guy's got an interesting story to tell. Not only what he's been through, but what he's going through now. And it's motivational. When you hear him talk, you'll see that he was he was born to do what he's doing now, but it took him a while to get there. And he almost didn't make it because of a health condition that a lot of people don't make it through. The story of how all that happened is really interesting and motivational. And here is our conversation with Stan Nance. So here we are in your office. Give us Stan Nance 101. How did it all start? Well, I am from this community, the uh, Northbrook area of Western Lincoln County. Uh, I affectionately call the area in here is around is called Flay. And I affectionately call it beautiful downtown Flay. And I've elected myself as the Goodwill Ambassador, if anybody's been on my Facebook page. But uh, like I said, it's just a crossroad. But it's a crossroad in my life that I love. It's a beautiful place. It's a wonderful community that I've had the pleasure of growing up in. I always thought that I would leave here and go to greater and bigger things. But God had more plans than I realized. And... Um, I graduated 1986 from West Lincoln High School. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, you were two years ahead of me. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, we uh, can start from there. I wanted to be in radio and television. I wanted to follow your footsteps. I wanted to be the next Wolfman Jack. Yeah. But that didn't work out. And I used to always think, well, everything's just not working out. Why is it not working out? And uh, I come to – and later on the story, we'll explain why, but – my life has been a good life. Uh, my mother and father, I still have them. And uh, basically, I have. Uh, I felt like the Lord gave me some talents. One, the gift of gab, which if you know me, that is a true. <laughs> yeah. I've never had any fun when I was quiet. And um, also, I like to sing. I play drums, and I've played in bands for years, and I've had some wonderful experiences. And... Um, I attended Appalachian State. I graduated from Gaston College for radio and television. What, what did you major in at App? Well, I let people talk me out of the radio thing. Really? So I went into public relations communications, the fine art of, you know, I, some people would say, I don't want to say this, but some people would say the fine art of, uh, of uh, bullwhomping. <laughs> so. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, man, that's not a bad decision uh, not to major in radio. Having been in, no, no, ser- no, seriously, though, having been in radio for 30 years, out of it now, but um, the things that I learned in college didn't help me hardly at all in real life radio. Right. You, 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 you kind of learn that stuff on the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you say, you've got a gift for gab. That's, that's half the battle right there. But so. Um, but that's interesting. I didn't realize you'd gone to Gaston, too, to do that. Yeah, I, had, I was on... Uh, WSGE 91.7 Gaston College. Did you ever work at any other radio stations? No, I never did. I never did. I just, I I think I let people tell me it was too hard. And uh, I think a a lot of my problem was was when you, um, I was easily discouraged. Yeah. Now, I will tell you this. And might be lazy too. Well, I don't know about that, but it's it's easy to get discouraged in, in radio because 
everybody has opinions in all businesses, but they're quick to tell you what they think of you in radio. People you've never met will come up to you and tell you what they think of you. Boss men, consultants and everything. And it, it is. You have to have a thick skin. It's hard to do. It took me a long time to uh, grow some thick skin for, for people making those kind of comments. But um, um, yeah, so that's that's interesting. So, But but your gift for Gab now is going to be paying off for you more too is, is what you're doing now. Yeah, it really too. does. It, it has an... Uh, the um, one thing I laugh about is that a lot of my friends told me that I did have a face for radio. And <laughs> me so, <too>. yeah. <laughs> so that's a blessing. But yeah, as I, as I went through the years, I, I got to look at it this way. I, I worked in manufacturing. I worked and did honest work. Oh yeah. And I, I, I was, I was, uh, you know, I took pride. No, that's fine. Okay. You, if you need to get that, we can pause to get it. If you no, to. I'm going to – that. there's an answer machine over there. Okay, all right. But, it's not going to be loud so everybody hears the message. Well, okay? I hope not. <laughs> well, we, it's a podcast. We can edit it. Out. Okay, <laughs> okay. I never get any calls, and now that I'm on a podcast, <laughs> we get telephone calls. That's right. It's like a telephone in the background. Caller number nine will give away a T-shirt. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I said, though, um, thinking of how my life did, I, I, I've worked in manufacturing my whole life. It was an honest living, and and and, and I worked for some wonderful companies, and um, I had a lot of great experiences. Uh, one of them being at Lazy Boy in Lincoln. Yeah, and I got my footing there. Um, I learned quite a bit, and I learned uh, if you're going to be in manufacturing, you got to put your nose in it and dig. Yeah. And at that time, <laughs> I wasn't too happy about it. I wanted to play softball, yeah. and I wanted to play in the band. And uh, you had to work Saturdays, and you was like, hmm. So yeah, but that's just part of part of things. But you know, I, I always felt my life. I was like, there's something missing. Mm-hmm. There's something missing. When I was 12 years old, I had a calling, and I was called to become a minister. And I had an incident with a pastor, and I forgive him, and I'm things that happened. But he said some pretty critical things about my appearance. And at 12 years old, that doesn't work too well, and I wanted no part of it. Yeah. So I'm just backed out. And then through my life, I had things happen, family deaths and circumstances, and it just turned me even more and more. I felt like God had abandoned me, and that that's awful to say. Yeah. But I, I felt, and then as I went on in life, I started realizing God was trying to tell me, you need to be a pastor. You need to follow through and preach the word. And every time I would get that, I would turn and say, "Look, I've, 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 I've not been a bad person, but boy, I've sure had too many good times." Yeah, and, I think a lot of people would say. Yeah, that. and I and I thought, you know, I, I just even told Lord, I said, you know, I'll live a cursed life if I have to because I just cannot become a pastor with, with what I've done and the way I've lived. No one's going to take me seriously. Yeah, and uh, I went that way for years, and and I was the biggest thing you learn is. God's will, his plan should be your plan. Yeah. When it's your plan and your plan only, it never works. <laughs> because he has a plan and you know, that's just the way it was. But I think all in all to where I am now, it was his plan for me to walk and become seasoned for what I'm doing now. The pastor at Best Chapel Methodist Church. And uh I learned, I went through some trials and I can tell you this, I I just uh, I diabetic and i didn't take care of myself and uh, i just had that really i didn't care because i was still so empty i could play in a band and i could get people cheering or i could do things and felt loved and, and had fun playing softball and hanging with my friends and i felt wonderful but when i was by myself there was a hole in me that could not be filled 
And the only thing that ever feel has can ever fill that hole is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And um, so once I realized that it was His way and not my way, I was better off. I became uh, I came to realization when I went into stage four kidney failure. Uh, I was put on dialysis. And I don't wish that on anyone. I pray for all who go through that. It's a miserable thing, and uh, it affects you so adversely. But uh, let, let me stop you right there for one second, because okay. I want to hear that full story too, but I want to go back for a second. You okay. said you felt you were called when you were really young, mm. and you felt that too. Yes. For a lot of people, because a lot of ministers and people say that, but for somebody who's listening, what is that called? What is it like? I mean, is it a feeling you get? Is it a combination of things? Did you hear a voice in your head? I mean, people listening will go, oh, how, what is a calling? What is that? Mm, well, let me just describe it. I was 12 years old, and here at the church, we had a pastor, uh, God rest his soul, Pastor Miles McLean, a wonderful man. He got the youth involved. He got us involved in church, and that's one of the things I want to see is children involved. Yeah. Um, he had me. We had a dual charge between Bethlehem right. and uh, Best Chapel. Right. And so they would have it at 10 o'clock, and we would have the 11 o'clock service, and he's got to commute. Right. So now the United Methodists, that's the way that works. A preacher right. would have multiple churches where right. people don't know about that. And so he'd do one service here, go over there, do another service. So his his duties split between two churches. Really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And some even three and four. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, but um, at that time, he would have me. He taught me how to do it. He would have me start the service. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing everything in the service up until the sermon. And uh, I felt, I felt, I felt happy. I was glad, you know, I'm doing something. But right. as I was doing it, I felt so many things come upon me. I felt like God was with me. At that age, I knew something was going on. I, I just had a warm feeling and a, a great feeling. And people in the church said, "Well, you know, you're going to be a pastor someday." And then it had been in my heart. Yeah. But uh, like I said earlier, things changed. Right. But that's how it began. The, it was just, you know when you know, when you have God touch you and you feel, I'm not going to say empowered, but you feel the movement of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Feel moved. Today. Yeah, when you feel moved and you feel blessed and you feel like I'm doing something for God and, and, and it, he approves, he, this is good. That's how I felt. And that's at a young age. At 12 years old, you know, we don't know if we want macaroni or peanut butter and jelly, you know. But right. but when it stands out to you and you're 55 years old and you mm-hmm. still have that in your mind, that means something. Well, getting back to your, your kidney issue and what you had to go through with that, uh, that had to be a tough time. It was. Um, you know, I, I tell people, and people don't, a lot of people, it's, it's out there, but we don't hear a lot about it. Um, I do want to say this. I'll say this right off. If you have any inclination of saving a life or you feel led after hearing this, please, if you've got an opportunity to donate a kidney, it doesn't take much. Um, It just takes the time to fill out the application and try. Um, What you do will save not only one life but many because it works in a circle, and I'll get to that. But I encourage anyone to please, it helps save people. It's a silent killer. I went for a physical at uh, my doctor, Dr. Kiefer's office in Lincoln, and uh, I hadn't had a physical in a while, and I was just way out of shape. I was 303 pounds. Oh, it was awful. They called me back, and they said, 
Stan, we got to tell you, you're in stage four kidney failure. Well, my heart dropped. And then um, I didn't really understand what it was. And then I had talked to him a little bit, and I understood this is very severe. And uh, so I went to my nephrologist. Uh, I'd had a nephrologist since I found out I was uh, diabetic. And I went to her, and she said, we're going to have to get you to Baptist for a kidney transplant to get you started. So I went to that. And in that time, I was scared to death. I lost 76 pounds. Yeah. And uh, I got down, and, and the – where I was my, what they call gross function rate was nine. Right. I jacked it up to 23. And when I went, finally went through all the stuff at Baptist, they said, well, essentially, just like in layman's terms, you were pretty bad, but you've got enough tread on your tire. We're not going to change them yet. You need to keep going. So it went up high enough. They said, just keep doing what you're doing and let's make it last as long as we can. And then 2020 came, I got COVID and that attacked the kidney. And that pretty much done me in. And then I ended up going on dialysis. And like I said, in center, is, is a, it's rough. So how long did you have to stay on dialysis? Almost a year. And this is where it's, the beauty of it all is that God put me on a road and, and put me through something that woke me up. You know how we hear about Saul on the road to Damascus, and he becomes Paul when he's blinded. This whole thing with kidney failure was my road to Damascus, and God laid it upon me, and the only way you can go is up. And you get to a point when you hit rock bottom and you, you can't go anywhere, and I just did a sermon on this. It's like, it's like Jacob's ladder. Jacob could see ascending and descending angels on a ladder or on stairs, and when we realize that, we realize that when we see something on a shelf in the garage that we can't reach, we have to have a ladder that allows us to obtain something that we cannot get on our own. So God is the ladder, and I realized that, and I had to have him. And when I was at a point that I could not obtain what I needed, God became very real. That was the point in time that was my Bethel moment. Why do you think that and that is, and I think that's the case for a lot of people who, and like you say, whether it be addiction or health issues or whatever, and I, I you know, it, it when people hit rock bottom, that's that's the thing it has to take. It's like, why didn't I figure this out sooner? Did you have that feeling? Or oh yes, I'm like I'm like, why does it take now? Why does it take now? Yeah. But you know, we're 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 weak of the flesh. You know, we're born we're born of sin. And we are a animal that wants our way, and we want to make our own decisions. And, you know, we see things we see, but faith we, we see in our hearts and our souls. But we don't put faith in it because we, we, we're, we're going to do things our way. And that's why I did that. So and then I look back and I realize, oh, my gosh, why? So moving forward, then you you got your kidney transplant. How long was that? Because usually there are waiting lists, mm -hmm. and, you, and you have to be you have to qualify. But right. I know this because my college roommate also had a kidney transplant. His brother gave him one, uh, and it it's same kind of thing came on him quickly. Goes to the doctor and finds out I'm going to need a kidney in about right. a year. Right. Right. Uh, so was it an um, anonymous donor? Somebody you know? How? What? Tell us about that. Well, the reason I say once I found out that. You know, I, like I said earlier, I went to Baptist. They said, you're doing fine. Yeah. You've lost all this weight. Keep doing what you're doing. Then I got COVID in 2020, and that all bets are off. So I'm on dialysis, and we're looking. Um, the blessed thing about it, I had a fistula put in my arm. I never used it. 
That's how God works. Um, I was on it almost a year. And during that time, I got to where I could do it at home and I could still use the port they put in my chest. And that's another story, but that's aggravating. But God puts people in your lives for a reason. And God put me through the ringer and and got my attention, and uh, it was a blessing. I still say to this day, the greatest blessing God ever gave me was kidney disease because it turned my life around. Um. I had friends, and I'm not going to give names out because of their their privacy. And I know, I know she uh, she's a very private person. But I had a friend of mine. I duck hunt quite a bit, and I had an old beer drinking buddy. I'll just go and say it. Yeah, no, you're from fine. back yeah, in the day yeah. in Myrtle Beach, and uh, he was a lifeguard. And we ran into him duck hunting, and then he started hunting with us. Yeah. Well, we became very good friends, our group. And I was at their house one night, and we were talking. Well, how's it going? You know, I had somebody try for me. And she failed because it's just so, it's really hard because you have to be in great shape. But uh, it's always best to try. But she looks at me as a donor, you mean? Yes, as a donor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was in pretty decent shape once I lost that weight. Right. Uh, She said to me, We're having meals. She said, Well, how's it going, Stanley? I said, Well, not good. She said, Well, what do you have to do? And I said, Yes, I told her what we had to do. She said, Well, I can do that, Stanley. I gave her the information. And she went, and, uh, and after she went through everything, she was approved. Now, she could not donate to me. Her kidney was too small. Yeah. But she could donate to someone else. And, in fact, it's called give one, get one. Right. So God puts people in your lives for a reason. He put my friend in my life and then her, and then it starts panning out. And then once everything we get through, all our tests, all the COVID protocol, we're put online in a donor situation. They put us on at 5 that evening. At 7.45 the next morning, everything was lined up. Wow. There was an anonymous donor. She had actually, uh, and uh, she lives in the, uh, towards the middle part of the state, and she had tried for her boss man, and she was in the process. Well, the, her boss got a kidney ahead of time, and he didn't have to wait, and I can't blame someone. But God puts people in your lives, and this young lady they contacted her and said, we have a man who would be a perfect match. And she said, well, let me pray about it. She prayed about it. The morning that I went in to have my surgery for the transplant, when it finally came around, I looked and I seen a couple over there and I looked at and I told my mother, I said, I pray for them. I pray nothing's wrong. They're so young and they're so married. I can tell. I pray there's nothing wrong with them. And they went through the whole process. So once the kidney transplant's over and they move us from intensive care over, Lo and behold, they said, the, the donor wants to meet you. And I said, I want to meet them. They have us in room side by side. It's kind of a setup. And when she walks in and I look and I said, thank you, God, it's that young lady and her husband. And uh, she actually did a show on in, in High Point. And in Charlotte, it came on, but it didn't say my name or anything. But see, God puts people in your lives. And she looked at me and she said, I prayed about it. And the funny thing is, I'll tell this, and this got to be. I got to have comedy in here. She looks at <laughs> me good. and she says, "She says I prayed about it, Stan." She said, "I prayed to the Lord." I said, "Please don't let it be some crackhead or some hateful old man." I said, "Well, honey," I said, "You got one part of it right. It's a 55, 54 year old man." And we laughed, and to this day, we talk. We talk once, twice a month, and yeah. uh, we share Christ. And she is a, 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 a sister in Christ, and it's beautiful. Well, my friend, who's uh, fiance who donated f- for me to get the ball rolling. Right, right. 
he walks in and he they once they find out there and she's next door, all my friends run over there. I think they liked me. I they were happy. They wanted to meet her. <laughs> this guy's the first one back. And you gotta know him and love him. He looks at me, he says, Pal, he says, That girl is beautiful. And she is. She is just absolutely stunning. And uh he says, She is beautiful. He said, buddy, they have just put a Ferrari part in a trash truck. <laughs> and you got to understand, that's yeah. my friends. You know, we love one another. We love the insult. Uh, but it was awesome. a beautiful thing. And then, then the whole experience, what I'm trying to get to is only God's hand can put all this together. And you, when you realize it, when you finally come to realization, when you hit that point and you know that you cannot obtain that, without God, then you start your eyes open. You know, I was already in the word and I'm consistently praying, but then I see God's hand open up and his works begin. And then I'm like, Oh my heavenly father, thank you. So is that the point then you decided to go forward because you had a calling earlier, but were you like recalled? You were like, okay, now's the time to take action. I've been putting it off. I, I was beginning to feel that, but right. I was still having doubts because, truthfully, I'm no theologian. Yeah, well, I'm far yeah. from it. Why well, no? Yeah. You know, I'm just a happy little boy from Flay. Yeah, and uh, I, I was, and the devil will do you this way. He'll put so much doubt in you, and the closer you get to God, the more attacks you get from the from the enemy. And uh, after this was all over, I, I, I've been going to church here, and I come home and I come back. And I get to that moment in realization that when I'm praying to God, that all I'm hearing in my head is preach the word, preach the word. So strong and so prominent, you know, and, and, and no matter what I, what I was praying for, all I heard was preach the word, preach the word. And I realized then, Chris, this is what, this is God's plan. And I was scared, you know, and, and I actually came here to my pastor and uh, Pastor Jackie Taylor. And God rest her soul. I spoke with her, and I asked her, I would like to do a community service. And I still do that to this day on, on uh, every Thursday night at 630. But that was what started, and she came to my services. And after a couple of times, she said, hey, you've got this. And uh, But bless her heart, she was very sick. She was on dialysis, peritoneal, and then she had heart trouble. And she was out quite a bit, so she asked me to fill in. And... Uh, but before all this happened, I was sitting there, and before I came to her, and before I asked my church family if I could do this, this is a this is a poignant moment, and I got to say this: I like Tony Evans, I love him, and I signed up, and I get his uh, podcast and things all the time, and he'll send all of a sudden my phone ding, just like you heard every while ago. It'll be inspirational quotes, and I had a dear friend of mine, and uh, she had turned me on to Tony Evans, and she was a wonderful. There's always seeds planted everywhere by different people, and she had planted a seed. And it's just, I always say to so many people that I, I praise for God for putting in my life to getting me where I am now. And I heard ping. I was sitting there thinking, how am I going to do this? And, the, and then I looked on my phone, and it said from Tony Evans, and I quote, God does not always call the equipped, but he equips the called. At that moment in time of my doubt, God sent me a message and spoke to me. I tell people God speaks to you in many ways. Uh, he can speak to you in prayer. He can speak to you through media. He can speak through you in your, in, in your sleep or in anything. I mean, God is God. 
And that moment I heard that and I knew, I said, this is what I need to do. And then once I started that, and like I said, Pastor Jackie was sick and, uh, I started doing church service and, uh, of course we're United Methodists. We were, and we decided to disaffiliate Well, a lot of churches did. And they were talking about pastors and the church asked me, they said, well, we want you as our pastor. And I said, I'd be honored, but I let's pray about it. And, uh, God blessed me with my home church. This church is Best Chapel. It's named after my family on my mother's side, the Best family, and they donated the land for this church. My All my family have been here. Um, it's, it's wonderful to see, and I've seen so many of my friends that I went to high school with, and we all were in youth here with Brad and Laura Baxter, Laura Monday now, and uh, God rest Brad's soul. But I, I just start looking at all the wonderful things that went on in this church, and you know, through COVID, things have dropped off. And now the Holy Spirit and, and is just working so wonderful in our church. We're excited and we're we're a loving church. And we've got so much going on. And every time I turn around, I laugh. And I said, I thought I was busy when I was a full-time pastor and working at Bosch. And uh, now that I'm just full-time pastor, I'm like, I'm even busier. I realize i got more stuff to do. But I love it. It's God's work. And it's it's a blessing. You know, I, this next question, I think w- could be a whole podcast with multiple people's input, but you mentioned COVID and during COVID, you know, everything shut down. Obviously everybody knows what happened and people stopped going to church. You couldn't and all that. But after COVID was over, a lot of churches, a lot of everything didn't get those people back. Right. And, uh, that's happened to a lot of churches, especially smaller churches who were really struggling to survive. I think a lot, a lot of people don't realize that the churches require money you have to you have a light bill sometimes you have rent you have people to pay you have whatever what is it that is what's going to bring people back to churches before because i know and i'm guilty of it too and one thing that did happen that was good and we talked about this for you guys is you know a lot of churches started streaming you could watch church at home and it mm-hmm. got kind of comfortable to sit at home with your coffee and your pajamas mm-hmm. and watch right, church right so people don't go back what what's the fix for that i mean what's your opinion the fix is what god asked us to do fellowship fellowship among christians we need one another we can't alienate ourselves from church because we get church and we get people we get family and we see like things the further away we are from fellowship the further away we are from god because it's the old saying i don't want to sound bad but when we when we when we become complacent it's like the saying, when you lay with dogs, you get fleas. When you don't stay in like-minded people, and I'm not saying we're, we're better than anybody. We're not. But we need that reinforcement, that Christian love and bond. And I think streaming is wonderful, but it's made us so complacent. And I think it's good for people who are looking for churches to you know to be able to look and do and see, and those what we would call shut-ins to be able to see that can't come or those who are sick. Or somebody that's on vacation, yeah. they can watch it. But when we rely on video and just sitting there at home in our in our skivvies drinking coffee, <laughs> and, and 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 that's good. But what we're doing, interpersonal communication, talking with one, like I'm talking to you right now, I'm looking you in the eye. We can convene. Our society has got so reliant on texting. We don't hear in voice inflection. We don't, you know, even at the video, you don't feel or see what's going on with people. Are you there? Can you see the children? Can you see their faces? Can you see if they're happy, how happy they are? Can you see people's expressions? Not always. 
but there is such a feeling inside of a church. It's just like you can listen to music, but when you go hear a live performance, it's real. And that's my that's my thought on it. So let me ask you this question too. First, where's the church headed now? What's your plans for the future? And secondly, now that you're standing in front of this group of people, are you ever is it intimidating? Are you worried that you don't know what you're going to say? I mean, I know you're going to tell me that God's going to lead you to say that, and and I get that. But you know, for me, I can be on the radio in front of or you know tons of people or on stage and tons of people I don't know, but get in front of people I do know. All of a sudden, man, all the professionalism's out the window, and I'm I'm as nervous as can be. So, I, tell me, did, how do you deal with that? Well, when I first started, I was I was nervous, yes, but I don't know. I just had the Holy Spirit with me. It, it gave me a confidence, and it's it's. I always tell people what I say is not what I say; it's what God gives me. I am just a vessel for Him. Uh, our church has been blessed. Our attendance has went way up. Uh, even our uh, Sunday offerings are way up. And Pete Church's involvement, the things we're doing, we're excited. We're on fire for Christ right now. And it takes a community of people. And we're, 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 we're just, I feel like we're all together. But when I'm, when I'm up there, I go in and I pray through the week for what God will give me. And then I've been sometimes that I thought this is what God wanted. And then the, Sunday morning, uh-uh. <laughs> it's a time to change, and I have to go and change. But it's his will. And and I feel so comfortable because I feel the Holy Spirit lead me. I pray for that. And I've actually recorded myself. And then you, I'll sit there, and I'll listen to it, and I'll go, did I say that? That's profound. I didn't know I could say such. <laughs> and and, and it's, just, it's just allowing God to take control of your life and going through the Scripture. And when you seek him, the more you seek God – the closer you get to him, the more he comes to you. The closer and the more you desire Christ, the more you desire God, the closer he is to you and the closer relationship you have, the more he will give, the more blessings. God has given me a blessing, and I say this. He has blessed me with a talent. Well, I'm not going to say a talent, but I can talk a lot. No, <laughs> so he, He's blessed me with that. Yeah. I, I sing halfway. I can carry a tune in a bucket. No, and I have musical. Singer, I have musical talent, a little bit of musical talent. But I have put it to his glory. And the blessing he has given me, he, God doesn't give you a blessing and say, there it is, that's yours. The blessing he gives you, you are to share and give more blessings. It's not just to you, it's to everybody. And so that's how I feel when I'm up there. And I'm relaxed. And I just feel the power of God with me and the Spirit. And I look on people's faces in, in, in the congregation. And I, I, I have my outline but I have nothing. I never read anything. I just have an outline of scripture and my thought on it, and I glance, and that's it. And what comes out is him, and that's that's where I am with 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 what I do and how comfortable I am. I mean, I just you know, some people say, well, you got to write everything down. Well, I, I keep those scriptures wrote down, oh, yeah. and I can go back and revisit these sermons I've done, and I've got a title for them. But I just I I don't know why I'm just always been comfortable speaking to people, but now even more with the Holy Spirit. So what's in store for the church then? You said you're growing. I mean, I know when we and I came in to to meet with you, you guys are doing some new things. What's going on? Yeah. Well, we're 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 where we were with COVID. We were just going through the motions, and you know, just like I said, everybody was just kind of complacent, and 
some people say, they say, well, you've really done a lot here at the church. And I'm like, no, I, I thank you, and I, I appreciate that. That means the world to me, but I take no credit. It's all glory to God. Anything that happens within this church that is positive is all for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, but our attendance is way up. We've got some new members. Uh, we're involved in the community. My big thing that I want to say is community. One church can do so much, and we're doing a lot. But if we involve our community, you know, I, I've spoke to several pastors. I've spoke to Bob Wise up here at Northbrook. Uh, I've spoke to um, some other churches around locally. Um, but uh, I want to try to get us to where we, we are one group. One church can do wonders, but a community of Christians together can do so much more. Uh, we're in a member of the Missional Network 14, which involves northern Cleveland County, southern Catawba County, and western Lincoln County. And we do a thing called Rise for Hunger, where we pack meals. We packed here a couple weeks ago 10,152 meals to be sent out. And it was such a blessing. We had the, the Holy Spirit was working. We had music playing. Everybody, all these different churches. We had 11 churches here with uh, 79 people. And uh, we packed out all that rice in record time. We had good fellowship. And everybody was happy. And when it was done, nobody left. Everybody wanted to hang around. So you know that was fun. Usually most people get done. They're ready to go, especially after work. But uh, that's what a lot of things are going on. Um, our Methodist women this weekend are having a uh, – Free bingo and bake sale and hot dogs, milkshakes, nachos. I mean, we're going. They're going wild. It's just I don't know. It's like there's a fire lit up under us again. Uh, Methodist men, we're we're constantly doing something to children. Um, I'll tell a story about that. We started in February. We have a thing that we do for Samaritan's Purse. We pack boxes, and we need about nine hundred dollars to send these things, and. So we give the children a task, raise $900 for pennies, call it pennies for postage. Well, I'll say his name, Eddie Farmer stood up and said, well, if y'all get $900, y'all can turn me into an ice cream sundae. <laughs> well, this was in February by, um, by uh, our vacation Bible school. They had enough. And he got turned into an ice cream sundae. And you give the children a, a, a goal, and they, man, oh, they yeah. lit it up. Oh, yeah. And so me and my big mouth said, well, $900, if you can get $1,000, you all can pay up me with water balloons. They got it within that week. <laughs> and then once once I was full-time pastor and not working, they set it up on a second Sunday lunch. And, I mean, I ate those words. Those kids pelted me. And, of course, the gentlemen in the church wanted to make sure that I wasn't too hot. So the water they were using, they made sure there was ice in it. That's right. And so, you know, I think the whole church got a, a kick out of it. But I'm not I'm not far beyond to have fun. And uh, I think one of the biggest things is laughter and fun and fellowship. Let me give you a chance uh, to invite people to come to your church. And uh, maybe somebody comes across this podcast and says, Stan Nance is a preacher now? What? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I'm sure there are people you haven't seen in a while. But uh, invite folks to church. Here's your chance to tell people why they should come here. If you want to come visit a church, we are a loving church. We want everyone here. I don't care who you are, what you do. We're a Bible church. The one thing I can tell you is, we're about the love of Christ. We are about the truth of God. Um, I have a thing that I've started, and, and, you know, it says God is, Jesus said, number one command was to love, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And second one, love thy neighbor as thyself. And my, my, my mantra here that I've created is love thy neighbor 
and plant seeds for Christ. I think our whole community and our church and our whole world should love thy neighbor. If we would do that, we wouldn't have any problems. But when we do, when we are as Christians, we should plant seeds for Christ for everywhere. For the seeds that were planted for me got me to where I am now. And I realize that. Just someone telling me about Christ. But our church is a loving church. We're excited. We've got things going on. We have wonderful fellowship. But the main thing is, is we love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with all of our heart and soul. And... uh we're exciting. We have fun things for children going on. And and uh, the one thing I will say that when someone comes, and I'll re- reiterate this, you're welcome. Every, everybody's going to say hello to you. They're going to talk to you, and we're going to have plenty to eat, and we're going to ask you to come and join us. And uh, I just feel if the Lord leads you mm-hmm. here, I'm so thankful. And uh, if, if anything I've said has touched your heart and would you like to come visit, please come. We have service uh, 10 o'clock on Sundays, our Sunday school, 11 o'clock, uh, our Sunday service. Uh, also, on Thursday, we do a community service. And you don't have to come to church here, but if you want to come worship with us and have some fun and fellowship, we have it at 6.30 every Thursday night. And uh, one thing I'd like to bring up is our extended family at the Heath House in Lincolnton. Uh, we've sort of adopted them, and I do a service there every Wednesday at 1.30. So... Um, but our church is exciting. We're growing. We're, we're, we're loving Christ. And uh, as long as we remember the Holy Spirit is leading us, we're in good shape. Stan, that's a perfect place to wrap up, man. Great job. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. God bless you, brother. Good to see you. I will tell you this about Stan. You can't be around him for very long and not walk away without a smile on your face. And that alone is a pretty good quality. That wraps it up for this episode. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to send us your suggestions and ideas for future podcasts. If you know a great guest, it'd be on. And let us know. We'd love to have them on. And don't forget to like and follow and all that other internet stuff you do to podcasts to help them grow. So we appreciate that. Until next time, we'll see you.